Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. The tax differences and benefits of investing in commercial versus residential Which one should you choose right now for your situation? Now, I'm not a tax accountant, so you should probably ask them for some professional advice, but just generally in the space of where I work in, in terms of commercial property investment, we deal a lot with structures, with tax planning and asset protection. Now, tax in the commercial space is very different from residential. It's in fact the opposite. It's where you get your positive cash flow and it's about the minimization of that positive cash flow. So most people buy in an entity. So whether it's a company, whether they buy it in a trust or a unit trust, they buy it in an entity so they can flow through that positive cash flow and so it becomes more tax effective. Now, what about depreciation? What about when you're going to visit the property, those expenses? How do you deduct them? Join me in this podcast as I run you through the differences between residential and commercial and the different tax benefits and the different taxable items and what you should be looking at. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Property Roadshow. You're here with Helen Tarrant. And today I'm going to talk about the tax benefits of investing in commercial property. Now I'm going to versus against residential so you can see the differences. Now the fundamental difference with commercial property is that 95% of commercial property investors or purchases are actually done in an entity. So what exactly is an entity? Discretionary family trust, a company, or it could be a unit trust. And of course, there's some other ways you could do it. It's through a self-managed super fund, but Rarely do people buy it in their own name. And the reason they do that is because of the tax reasons. Now, investing in commercial property, most people are going to get positive cash flow from day one. Now, when you think about what exactly is positive cash flow, it's really about what is left over at the end of the day that goes into your pocket to feed your lifestyle. So after you pay all the outgoings, the mortgage, what is it left in your pocket, right? That is your true passive income. Now with residential, no matter what you buy, even if you put a granny flat at the back and everything, you pay the mortgage, unless you put in a huge amount of deposit, you are going to be negative or neutral at best if you've held it for a long time. So there's actually no cash flow. So therefore the tax treatment is very, very different. Now I'm not a tax accountant. So if you're getting into this and you're part of our client group or you're going to look at investing commercial property and the tax implications, we can refer you to someone or you might have a tax accountant you can talk to. Now, on that note, one of the big reasons that people invest in commercial property in an entity uh, versus a residential in their own name is because of tax reasons. Now, in residential, you have it in your own name because you're negatively gearing against your own personal income. So if you're short $10,000, $20,000, there is a tax benefit. In commercial property, when you're earning a positive cash flow and, for example, you're on the highest tax bracket, it doesn't make sense for that property to give you more money. So what you do is you hold it in a discretionary family trust, you buy it in a family trust, that positive cash flow flows through and you can distribute it to your partner, to your kids, to your family members or another entity which is going to pay less tax than you. So you might have a family member who's not working. You might have a child who's just turned 18, who's going to uni. You can give them $20,000 on paper and they would pay tax or potentially flow it through to what we call a bucket company, which means that you 
only pay 25 cent tax, right? So all in all, you've got to look at it as, all right, one is producing negative cash flow. So you need to negative against yourself in terms of the residential space. So you hold it in your own name. The other thing giving you, uh, the commercial giving you positive cash flow. So it flows through to you or to someone else who's more tax effective. So that's one of the big, big benefits in commercial property. Now, of course, people also do developments in their own name. So you buy a block of land, you might subdivide it, you might then build a house on it or you might sell it, right? And you hold it in your own name. Now, that can have a lot of different consequences when you come to sell it. It could be treated as profit, which means that you actually need to pay quite a high capital gains tax. Or it may be treated as, you know, that you might have held it for long enough so you don't get the discount. So all sorts of ways it gets complicated. Whereas in commercial, if you're doing uplifts or developments, it's held in a company, which means you pay 25%, very straightforward, 25% tax on any profit that you make. And of course, there's lots of deductions you can use against it all during the process. So that's the tax deductions could be your town planner costs, your solicitor's costs, you know, going to see the sites, go and talk to the developer, the materials, all of the things that it's going to be part of your valuation and all of those things that's going to be part of doing a development. And then of course, if the development goes well, great, you make profit, you pay a certain level of tax and you keep it, the rest, the money can flow through as a franking credit or, you know, you could be invoicing it for a consultancy fee, whatever it is, right? You can get the money out of the company through creative ways. However, if it goes well in your personal name, then you've got a higher tax to pay. But if it goes badly in a company, it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect your credit, it gets wrapped up, the company defaults, goes into liquidation and so on and so forth. But if it goes badly in your personal name when you do a development, this is where it starts to mark your name for future loans, future projects and future anything you want to get in terms of even getting credit cards and investment properties or principal properties, anything it's going to start impacting on your credit rating, right? So that's the fundamental differences. Now, Following on from that, there is depreciation. Depreciation in commercial property works different from residential, but fundamentally they are to depreciate the asset over a period of time to save you on tax. Now, in commercial, there's more to depreciate the residential. Those things that you can't depreciate in residential, like travel to see the property, like the stuff that's already existing in the property, the age of the property may have reduced, those are still there in commercial. Like traveling costs to go and see it, scrapping costs for say, like you rip out a fit out and put a new fit out in there. In terms of depreciating the fit out, if you help the tenant to do it or you contribute to the tenant to do it, that's great. Or alternatively, if the tenant's done all the fit out and you have no depreciation, it's depreciation against the building. And so depreciation, you can definitely depreciate a lot more and more creatively in commercial than you are in residential because there's just a lot more things and it changes with every property every time you do a commercial property investment because, you know, whether it's a warehouse, office, retail, they depreciate differently with different types of tenants in there and different types of fit out, right? So that's depreciation. And then finally, we come to the ultimate thing, which is about asset protection and about willability in the future for future planning, right? So in terms of asset protection, if you have anything that goes wrong in your personal name, then if you own any assets in your personal name and you happen to be in a high-risk job, which means you could be a doctor, a lawyer, any of those things, then people come right after you and you actually have to pay, right? That's what you have to do. You have to pay, right? But the thing is, if you had it in a company or a trust, the trust gets attacked, not you personally, and the assets, you may lose the assets in the trust, depending on how you structure it, but you don't lose the shirt off your back in terms of suing you. That's one good thing. But the follow-on thing is also about how it's so much more transferable and that you have savings on stamp duty as well as land 
land tax. So for example, if I myself was going to go buy some residential properties in Queensland and then in New South Wales and then in the, let's say in Victoria, now I would have about 650000 in terms of land tax threshold in Queensland. I would have about 800000 or so in New South Wales, about two fifty in Victoria. Now that's great. Now I could buy an each estate, max myself out, and then I'm like, well, anything above that bracket, I'll have to pay land tax. There's no quarantine and there's no sort of breaking that up. Now, if I bought it in a trust or a company in Queensland, and that is the land of the land tax savings, it is that you get 350 in the company and it's quarantined per company. So if you set up three companies, effectively you have over a million dollars in land tax threshold. So 350, so you can buy one, say one commercial property, split it over two entities, don't have to pay land tax. You can buy one commercial property in each entity and save on the land tax. There's no pooling together. However, you know, trust and companies don't work the same when you're in New South Wales and Victoria. There is zero threshold in New South Wales and 25,000 in Victoria. So you really have to pay land tax from the first dollar. However, that doesn't mean that you cannot use a company effectively because the main thing is you as a director of a corporate trustee, when you decide that you want to actually pass on that job or when you want to actually retire, you can always pass your kids or grandchildren can become the directors of the corporate trustee and manage that trust so you can be more perpetual and make it easier for you to transfer that wealth and that asset rather than you know selling, buying, paying more stamp duty at the time, paying capital gains tax. So if it managed properly, Commercial property investment with forethought at the beginning can have a much more smoother transaction. You can minimize your tax, have more depreciation, make it easier for the rest of your family member to get access to the cash flow, the asset to manage it into the future. So it's really more perpetual. Whereas holding residential in your own name can have some benefits, especially when it's negatively geared. But when it becomes positively geared, that's when it starts to create issues because you've got to pay a hell of a lot of tax. There's less asset protection. And going forward, you carry a lot more liability. So it's not saying residential bad, commercial good. It doesn't much of the muchness in terms of how you look at it, but it's just giving you clarity of what you should be looking at when you are investing in commercial property and the differences between commercial versus residential. Because ultimately, when you are in your late 40s, heading towards your 50s, you are going to need commercial property as part of your portfolio because it's going to deliver cash flow. It's going to change your portfolio and make you retire so much faster. So on that note, if you're looking for the next steps in commercial property, there's a link below where you can join our community, find out more about what we do, because through that community, you'll be part of a group to learn more about the current market, the current trends, where to invest, where not to invest, where to buy and how to really get started. Hope you've enjoyed that. It might sound a little bit more complicated and it may seem that learning to invest in commercial is a whole new ballgame and that there is, it's almost like unlearning residential and relearning a new set of investment rules. Well, that's the benefit of listening to this podcast, watching our YouTubes and joining us for events because we're going to be able to run through for you that there's particular nuances in commercial. There's particular ways to be able to offset different items and have particular type of structure and also forward planning that is going to benefit you in tenfold, three, five, ten years down the track. So look out for more of our podcasts. In the meantime, make sure you check out our other events. Check out unicorn.com.au, helentarrant.com, and let us help you build a cash flow rich portfolio. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune into the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.